0: Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging these fine conventions. SoonerCon. Central Oklahoma's longest-running pop culture convention is back. SoonerCon 31 is scheduled for June 30th through July 2nd, 2023, in Norman, Oklahoma. It promises a weekend full of tabletop gaming, cosplay, and appreciation for literary sci-fi as well as TV and comics. Visit SoonerCon.com for more information. The Hellmouth Convention. The Hellmouth Convention is designed by fans for fans, with the aim of harnessing the power of fandom to raise money for charities. The Hellmouth Convention celebrates all fandoms, but particularly things like Buffy, Firefly, and Dr. Horrible. Like the Hellmouth itself, things gravitate toward it that you may not find anywhere else. The next event is scheduled for June 9th through 11th, 2023, in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. This show is about looking at creativity and what it means in our lives and how we can more effectively use it to make our lives better. There are some topics that seem to come up over and over again, and I think there's a reason for that. Today's episode is a way to look at two of them at the same time. First of all, we're going to look at the tools that today's creators have that weren't available before the 21st century and we're also going to look at the perspective of somebody who's been in the industry for decades and has a perspective on that that can be matched by no other and we're going to see how those two work together. I've never seen a guest who was able to talk about both at the same time the way our guest does today. Let's introduce Stanley Livingston. On tap today we have Stanley Livingston. How are you doing today good sir? I'm doing great, Ed. How how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking to you because you have an esteemed career in the TV film industry, starting with, as everybody's well aware, My Three Sons and going from there. And as somebody who's always liked classic TV, I really, really dig that. Well,
1: I lucked out on that show. Actually, my career began almost five years before My Three Sons, so... which everything led up to my three sons early in my career. Yeah, I uh, started as an extra as most actors do. Uh, I went to a swimming school in Hollywood and there was an agent there and she talked my mom into representing me and thought I'd make a good candidate to be a child actor. And yeah, my mom finally said, okay, but yeah, went on, on you know interviews, but they were basically for extras. And uh, that happened for a little while. And uh, then I got cast as an extra on uh, Ozzy and Harriet about 1956, beginning of 57. And for whatever reason, uh, Ozzy took a shine to me and uh, actually gave me a line of dialogue. uh, I did it. And I guess I did it well enough. He told my mom, leave your contact information with my secretary in the front office. We did. And two months later, I was doing another one and then another one. And between 19... I'd say beginning of 57 to 1960, I uh, probably did about 15 Aussie and Harriets. I started doing movies. I was in uh, an early version of Bonnie and Clyde movie. Was, it was called The Bonnie Parker Story with Dorothy Provine. Uh, I did uh, another film with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward called Rally Around the Flag Boys. I did another film with Doris Day and David Niven called Please Don't Eat the Daisies. And I did a TV pilot uh, for Jackie Cooper, uh, which the reel that I had afterwards of my work on that particular pilot led to me being cast in My Three Sons.
0: I'd known about some of that, but not nearly half of it. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I did quite a bit of work, actually, before My Three Sons, you know, guest spots on TV and stuff. But uh...
0: And I'm not here to... to... (laughs) I, I like it's just I got into your work through my three sons because I remember watching that from when I was a little kid when it was in reruns. Ozzy well, and Harriet, I missed, I admit that. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff I dig because I'm fascinated by how the industry is different now compared to the way it was when I was a kid and now with the way it was when you were working. Things mm-hmm. have changed so much and it's hard to get kind a of grasp on that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it depends what part of the industry you're referring to that's changed. I mean, the output, you know, the types of shows and how they're made and, you know, the, the the type of programming is certainly different. I think the processes, especially for actors, are, you know, pretty much the same. You know, there's a little technology involved in it now for actors if you want to become involved. But it's, it's literally the same thing it's been since the beginning of the industry. You know, you have to go somewhere to learn how to become an actor. Uh, that's either at a mom and pop school or you go to college or a university or junior college and take classes or you go to Yale or Harvard and come out of Yale drama school. So, you know, uh, that's part of what's required of an actor is to know, you know, what they're doing and have those uh skills uh, either on stage or in front of a camera so that you know how how it all works uh there's this other part it's kind of this big mystery that's not taught by most of these uh schools at least not taught in a comprehensive way and it's the other component if you're going to become an actor which always bothered me that there really wasn't any kind of professional uh school or classes or information available to actors and that's on the non-performance skills. Um, It's what you do when you're between jobs to learn how to get work and to decipher what you're being told by casting directors and producers and your agent and your manager that are in the beginning of your career a complete mystery and you don't understand it, you don't understand why you're not getting work. Um, Actually, I tried to do something about that about five. So about almost eight years ago, I created a program called the Actors Journey Project. And what it was, was a program for actors. Uh, it's a 10 hour long program. that really demystifies uh, the back end of the industry for actors, meaning the business side or non-performance skills needed to become an actor. What I did is I rounded up a hundred people from our industry. Uh, they were all Uh, People who had worked in the industry a minimum of 20 years, Uh, 45, 50 of these people had either won, been nominated for Academy Emmy Golden Globe Awards. So it ensured that the information that was being disseminated to the new actors who are working now uh, is from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And um, yeah, so, you know, I, I feel like besides my three sons, that's my contribution to the industry. Uh, We had, you know, it wasn't just actors telling other actors what to do. We did have quite a few actors, uh, but it was also agents, managers, uh, different people, showrunners, producers, directors. Uh, In fact, we had the president of the Directors Guild of America, the president of the Screen Actors Guild, and a lot of people that sat on the various boards at both of those uh, organizations disseminating the information.
0: I'm so glad uh, you brought that up.
1: Um, well, it's it's a big problem. It's a yeah. big problem. You can go spend a hundred thousand dollars learning to act, and then it's like, okay, well, what do I do now? What's the first thing I do? Or this guy, this agent said this to me and I, I have no idea what he's talking about. Or I did this on an interview and now nobody wants to see me again. So yeah, you know, we really tried to uh you know allow people to see the forest in spite of the trees, I guess you could say.
0: Now, on your website, you're saying that this is going to be transitioning from DVD-based to streaming-based. Has that transition happened yet?
1: Uh, no, I'm still in the midst of it. It'll be, it'll come up shortly. We're dealing with Vimeo, which is Vimeo isn't what they used to be either. Everything evolves. Uh, about a year ago, when I talked to them, you could actually get a uh, a rep on the phone and discuss mainly technical issues of how. We wanna do something uh, with what they have or what they offer. So we're just trying to find ways to work around it to set this up so it's seamless for us at this end. But yeah, ultimately what will happen is the media that we have, which comprises this 10 hour program, uh, will be up and you, know, you can watch it all or it's in eight big gulps, I guess you could say. It was originally an eight volume DVD. And each of the bottoms was about 90 minutes long. And, uh, you know, it's soup to nuts, you know, from even things you need to think about before you do all this, if we can catch those people, uh, maybe even before they've gone to acting school. I mean, the industry isn't really what most people perceive it is, especially, you know, people who are not from L.A. or outside the industry. It's It looks different than what it is. I mean, basically, I mean, I don't want to say this in a derogatory way, but you're signing up for a factory job. You know the factory job is the sound stage, and like in the old days when people went down in the coal mine, you're going to be required to show up somewhere between five and six in the morning. If you're an adult actor, they can keep you there twelve hours, sometimes longer if they want to pay you overtime, and that does happen. And uh, then you have to be right back on the set again in as little as eight hours. You know what they call a turnaround time. And you know I think a lot of people aren't. Prepared, They have this vision of uh, glamour in their minds when they think of show business, that it's, you know, a party or parties happening on the set and it's all, you know, a lot of fun. It isn't. It's a lot of waiting in between setups and takes while they set up the equipment uh there's always rush 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 because you're trying to get through your day and get anywhere from four to ten pages done a day depending on what level of uh you know shoot you're on if it's a low budget you're probably going to shoot eight nine ten pages a day if you're shooting on a big feature it could be three or four pages but you're going to do it over and over if you know if you work for somebody like david fincher you could have a a two-page scene but he's gonna you're going to shoot that scene maybe 40 or 50 or 100 times for him And you're saying the same lines over and over. And you know, your thought in your head, even though you're doing your work and you're intimidated by working with somebody like that, is what the hell's going on? Why do I have to do this so many times? But there's a method to his madness, but I I won't get into that here. Um, But yeah, you know, uh, and even. Like I was saying, people don't really realize there is a whole business aspect uh, to this. And I I think it's surprising because they get a smattering of it, you know, when you go to school, Um, you know, but what most actors leaving college think is that the businesses get a, get a resume, get a headshot. Uh, and a headshot is different than it was what it used to be because you're submitting that electronically now but you know you really need to think about that too in the old days you'd have a a headshot it was an eight by ten your agent would send it in and you know the casting person would look at this nice eight by ten and decide if you were right for the part meaning physically right and then an interview would be set up well now it comes electronically and they may get 100 submissions and you're looking at photos that are not much bigger than your thumbnail you know head. so you know really thought has to be put into that shot how do i stand out amongst a you know a page with 100 pictures on it if they're only looking at a, a thumbnail so the you know, there, there's things you really need to think about even as far as that so you know you need your resume your headshot um if, if you have a reel, because you did some things in college or the, even things outside of college that you managed to get uh, the file and can create a reel out of it, that's important. Um, and at some point though, once that's submitted, it, it goes back to the old system that they're gonna wanna meet you. And besides having done maybe a self-submission of how you believe the dialogue or that character presents himself, um, you know they want to come in and meet you and see what your personality is like and throw you a curveball. Maybe you know and say, like, "Hey, you did great, and we like the way you did the character." But let's put the script down, and uh, we know it's a three-page scene, but we want you to improvise this from scratch. Ready? Go. <laughs> it's just it's a it can be that crazy, and if you're not ready for that, you know you can you can go blank. You know you don't know what's being required of you. So, like I said, we were trying to prep people to learn ahead of time what goes on in that room. And that's probably the most important element to actors, besides having gone to acting school, but on the business side is being able to go on an audition or an interview and be able to survive it, you know, and and do what's required and not be thrown, you know, a curveball. Uh, and be able to respond immediately and and do a good job. Uh, Most actors, and I mean, this goes back to the beginning of time, are completely intimidated by the audition process. Uh, And I'm talking about even seasoned actors. And, you know, I think actors, new actors have the perception, too, that it's just them that this is all being put upon. But, you know, actors um, or Academy Award winning actors big actors they all vie for the part and not all of them you know get hired some do there's some actors that are at that level and have done so many films that they just get an offer from the producer you know we want you what's your rate 20 million dollars okay uh but there's actors in between or actors have kind of gone up and down and they're required to audition too and uh you know it's harder for them Because when you're new, you're probably going on more interviews than somebody who's got a name, you know, because half the parts do come to you. But when you're required to audition, I always tell people that's that's one of the things we explain to people in the actor's journey, too, is, look, don't be afraid of these auditions. The most important thing you need to learn, because if you can't audition, you'll never get a part. Somehow you have to conquer your fear of that. You've got to be able to get in there and become comfortable with it. That's the most important thing, even more important sometimes than getting the job is knowing how to do that. Because even if you go in, and you do a good job. Sometimes you're just not right for the part. They still allow you to read and you never get any feedback that, oh, yeah, uh, well, we already hired the guy who's playing your brother and he's got red hair. We need another actor with red hair. And, you know, something that's stupid or simple doesn't get back to you, you know, they don't take the time to tell you, well, sorry, you're really good, but we're really looking somebody with red hair, because we've hired somebody, we need to match them up, there's a lot of things, reasons actors don't get parts, and that's nothing to do with what they did in the room, or how talented they are, but you need to know that, or you can go crazy, wondering what the hell's going on, and uh, makes it a lot smoother, you know, for you to proceed on to the next level of auditioning. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, another reason why, too, is just when auditions happen, you really don't know, like I said, if you're right for the part and you're there to get the part, of course. But more important, you're there to impress the people that are in that room, be it a producer, a director, the casting director, uh, sometimes they even have the star of the movie there. And uh, you may not be right, but your job is to impress them so that even if you're not right and didn't get that part, they're going to think about you, you know, a week from now, a month from now and say, hey, remember the guy that came in that wasn't right? Well, he's right for this. Get him back here. So, you know, that's why it behooves you to know what you're doing and not screw up and not get too upset about it uh, because there is always that chance uh, you will be seen again if you, if you do a good job. Anyway, that's some of the stuff I were trying to impart and I you know I was doing this orally to people uh, and new actors that I knew you know my whole life but uh, I kind of wanted to put it into a program so it's out there and available uh, in some sort of format where actors have access to it no matter what part of the country they live in you know if this is your chosen profession or you think it is, you're gonna need this. It's not enough just to have the acting thing because you're going to find out if you have an acting career like I did that runs about 65 years. If you took everything I ever did, all the movies, all the TV shows, uh, and even if you filmed all the stage plays and put them on a reel, you're going to find out maybe you have like four months worth of work that you can project or five months, maybe six months if you really worked a lot. And uh, the other 64 and a half years, you were looking for work and employing your skills, your non-performance skills to get that work. So that's why that's an important aspect.
0: I want to thank you so much for that, because this is insanely valuable. First of all, I'm going to put your your page and this course on the show notes of my website, AaronBosick.com, because this is something I really think people who are getting creative now need to have from all the voices that are involved in it. One of the reasons I I feel so strongly about this is we have this new breed of creatives now who just now have been given these brand new tools and they're trying to reinvent the wheel in terms of what they can do in in entertainment. And that's great. But Mm -hmm. it's like they're also trying to reinvent the wheel on the business end of things. And that doesn't work quite as well.
1: Well, that's what we were trying to do. And I always say this is part of what I talk about when I talk about this particular program. It's, it's absurd, at least from an acting point of view, that each actor should be forced to reinvent the same wheel. You know, be, just because he has no connections in the industry, maybe supremely talented, but this other information just doesn't come easy. It's, it's almost like it's hidden from actors for whatever reason. Like I said, there's never been a comprehensive program, to my knowledge. Uh, but uh, you know if you have this information right at the outset you, you can hit the ground running as opposed to you know stumbling and bumbling around for two or three years trying to learn this stuff and try and learn the industry piece by piece and as you said reinventing the wheel uh, anyway we're trying to put an end to that this is the wheel <laughs> right
0: <laughs> I, the wheel exists for a reason and, and you might want a different wheel and we can talk about that but at the end of the day there's if you're going to work with other people, y'all need to have the same plan as to how things get done. And it doesn't make any sense to change things without a benefit to everybody involved. Yeah.
1: And even though there is a wheel, I always say this too, that, you know, the people that want to become actors and make their way into the industry, even though ultimately we all end up doing the same thing and this is the wheel and this is the information, every actor takes a completely different path to that same point. You know, it's just, yeah, it's like some actors you know, they walk in and they're like, wow, where have you been? You're perfect, you're hired. Other actors, you know, go on a hundred interviews and never get a job, but they finally do. Um, So I always say, look, you don't know how you're gonna get into the industry. Uh, For some people they luck out and it happens and the door opens and they walk right in and they're hired. Hopefully that's you. Uh, But for 99.9% of the people that doesn't happen. You gotta find your own way in, be it uh, through a door. a window coming down the chimney up through the floorboards any way you can find to get in that's creative and you know as long as you're not an obnoxious person uh, you know but it teaches you about creativity too to you know there is a path but don't be afraid to go off the path you know and find another path in uh, that that's just how crazy this industry is so but you know there's limits to that you need to know what those limits
0: are too indeed I, I- I had somebody talking to me about a month ago about their their idea for, you know, their project. And I'm not going to name names or give any specifics, but they are saying to me, Well, you know, I've got this great idea and I've got a basic setup and I can I can use my cell phone to make videos on YouTube, and that's going to be my end. And I said, That's great if it works, but there's a whole bunch of things you could be doing to help yourself that you're not talking about. You should be working with community theater, going to get an actual education and just making these contacts now, even if you don't use them, making them is never a bad thing.
1: Well, that's why we say the acting, the acting business is
0: a contact sport.
1: <laughs> and yes, you know, that's really what you want to do. That's why you want to be in class because you're probably going to be in it with 25 other actors and somebody in that class is you know going to go up the food chain faster than you you know and if you know these people they tend to pull the people along who they knew uh, and if they have any kind of power or influence at all that happens all the time i'll give you an example of that and this is one of the examples that's in the actor's journey but i don't mind giving it away and i'm going to use my own brother barry livingston you know who was uh, ernie on my three sons and in his own right you know he, he was a pretty big child actor even before he came to my Three Sons. did a lot of movies and tv shows and but happened to be around at the right time when tim considine the older brother left the show and he had already worked on there a couple times as a friend and you know they ended up uh working him into the storyline where the uh douglas family adopted him so he went from being uh, you know a, a recurring character to a full-time you know member of the family and a full-time actor on that show but Flash forward later, my brother's, you know, done a lot of hard work and learned the business. And, uh, you know, it really, it's, it's, it's all about doing whatever comes your way Too, You can't have any preconceived notions. There's a lot of actors that are told by their agents or managers, look, you shouldn't do commercials. They're really not good because they could derail your career you have going in TV or the movie industry. But that, that's not true. So here's what happened to Barry. Uh, Barry does everything. He goes out, doesn't matter if it's a commercial, an industrial, a uh, TV show, whether it's one line, top of the show, uh, a movie. So he got a call to go in on a, it was a uh, Heineken commercial. And, you know, like I said, some agents go, you shouldn't do these." And Barry, you know, he, we, we have a different take on it. So he did. Went in on the audition. He got a callback, got another callback, which is really irritating when you have to do that. But that's part of what you have to do uh and he got hired so he gets the set and he's in makeup and uh the assistant director comes up to him and says uh barry have you met the director yet barry said no no uh and he said have you got the sides and barry goes well yeah no i learned my lines he goes well no that that wasn't the script here's the real script the other was just kind of a fictitious thing we were doing so barry goes okay so he kind of looked at it going. Oh. Crap, you know, I got to learn more lines and what's going on here. So uh, the assistant director said, well, follow me. I want you to meet the director. So Barry goes out on the set and there's the director. He says, Barry, Barry, this is David. Uh, David is Barry. Well, it wasn't David. It was David Fincher, <laughs> the director. Uh, Fight Club, uh, you know, all the movies he's done, uh, you know, Zodiac, uh, Social Network. So you're, you're meeting, you know, an A-list director is going to be directing you in this commercial. And then uh, the directors, uh, I mean, the assistant director said, have you, have you met Brad yet? And Barry said, no. So he said, well, come with me. You might as well meet him right now. Uh, so they went outside to a motorhome, knocked on the door. Uh, somebody answered. Barry came in, and uh, the assistant director said, Barry, uh, this is Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, this is Barry Livingston. He's the other guy who's going to be in the commercial with you. And he stood there and talked for about 10 minutes. Anyway, it uh, turned out it was a top-secret Heineken commercial that was being made with Brad Pitt uh, for the uh, Super Bowl. And it ran only once, and then it played in Europe and played in uh, Japan uh, after that, you know, just like on regular TV. But, you know, those are the kind of things that can happen. But to continue the story, about a year later, Barry went on another commercial for or- Orville Redenbacher popcorn. Walks in the uh, office after looking at the sides and who's sitting behind the desk? David Fincher. Who gets the part? Barry. (laughs) Uh, And then I guess it was about a year later, uh, a script arrived at his house and on the front of it uh, was said part of Mr. Cox and it was circled. and, And then he looked down and it was David Fincher's production company. So that's a reason you wanna go do commercials. That's a reason you wanna go out and meet people and make contacts because you never know how those contacts are going to manifest themselves and uh, somehow have an effect on your career Uh, so yeah barry also did another movie with david it was the zodiac so uh
0: yeah you know magic can happen it can and it, it will happen if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because you put yourself in the vicinity of it. Sitting around and waiting for it to come to you has a very, very low success rate.
1: Yes. Yes. That's why you want to go out. You know, you want to socialize, and but in a sort of special way. And I mean, you don't go to these events or anything you can get to and get bombed, get drunk. Uh, you know, you've got to be socially correct there because there's a lot of people and believe me these people are picky you know if they see you doing anything give them any reason not to invite you into the audition room your career is over before it began so you you really have to have your act together and like I said it sounds social you know when you'd be going some it's actually a business event and that's the way you have to approach it Uh, you know but if you're polite uh, and aggressive aggressive but polite you know, people, uh, they like that, you know, they they don't want people who are shy and sit in the corner, but they don't want people who, you know, come and s- attach themselves and glom on. To, somebody won't let them uh, alone for the rest of the evening either. So you really have to use your common sense, but to let people know you're there. And, you know, but on the other hand, I'm all for people making their own break, you know, by maybe making a movie, even if it is with your iPhone, you know, because that to me, being an actor, it's like having an Indian, you know, well, I'll say the word Indian, that's probably forget having a bow and arrow clibber on your back. And that movie can be just one of your arrows. It's one of your arrows and in your clibber, you know, the other could be a stage play. The other could be the, the casting director you met at a social event the other night and exchanged cards or whatever, you know, it's just all sorts of things that, uh, you know you have to get used to doing and doing it in a, in a business right that's the key word here uh, we call it show business it's actually show business <laughs> the last word is all in caps uh, to get that part across so that you can get the chance to show your creativity as an actor because without that you never will or you or you will but it may not last too long I mean there's actors that are pretty good at auditioning but sometimes they make mistakes i was talking to a casting director and they had somebody they weren't real familiar with but somehow he got on the audition and he was for the part of the heavy and you know there was a scene where he was intimidating trying to intimidate the star that wasn't the dialogue well you know he's doing the scene and what does he do in the office pulls out a gun (laughs) i guess he was a method actor scared the bejesus out of everybody in the room and uh you don't do that you know after it was over you know the director turned to the casting person and said i never want to see that person again don't ever bring him into a room with me again and you know unfortunately that person's career was either over or severely diminished at that point. So you really have to learn the ropes, you know, about what you can and can't do and what's expected of you and you know, where you don't want to tread.
0: Yeah, and I'm a huge advocate of independent filmmaking and trying to use the, the, the tools that have been democratized now to, to tell stories that we couldn't have told 20, 30 years ago before these, these tools were available. But with that, you kind of, and this is where your work is going to come in, you have to be, have the wherewithal to say, this is the latitude I have with this. If if you're saying, I'm going to make an iPhone movie in my bedroom, it's not realistic to think that's going to be an Oscar winner in two years. You just don't have that mentality. But if you... It isn't.
1: But what it is, is a door opener. You know, if you're looking to get into production, you know, because every nobody at the beginning of their career is expected to have a... Uh, film shot in panavision <laughs> so exactly you know, People look and go well you know this guy was saying he's in it and, you know so he knows a little bit and and it'll you know it's a ladder so you go up to the next rung because of that you know as opposed to if you didn't do it at all i mean what kills most low budget films i'm sort of a tech guy besides you know well like i said i've had a production company for god the last 40 years uh so i've had i've had to learn everybody's job i'm an editor i'm a sound guy. Um, I'm a camera guy, (laughs) you know, I learned how to edit when we were using moviolas, then chem tables, and then finally linear editors and non-linear editors, so, uh, you know, I learned when we were shooting with film cameras, you know, how to do that, all the lab processes and procedures, so the digital age has made it a lot easier, and, you know, and I mean, just to own something where you can shoot something, even if it is an iPhone, I mean, probably an iPhone 14. I think it's shooting 4K. So visually it can be stunning. But you know, it has to do not only with the camera, it has to do with the lighting. But what kills most, you know, low budget efforts off is the sound. You know, people are capturing the sound on their iPhone and man, it, it, you can't do it. And it's if you look at a lot of low budget films, you know, the sound is tinny or you know, it, it's just horrible. But the, the worst thing you can have. Is even better picture, you know, where you have 4K or almost a film-like quality to it and have crappy sound. I mean, it ruins, totally ruins your movie. So there is that other aspect of it where you need not to go down to um, Radio Shack and get a microphone. You know, you need to buy a, a real mic. And I'm not talking about a 200 or $500 mic. You need to go in and buy a, a $2,500 mic made by Shep's. S-H-O-E-P-S. Uh, and when you hear the sound coming out of that, you'll know why all the studios require that mic. You also you know, need to have uh, some way to capture that sound, and you don't want to capture it in your, uh, in your iPhone. You need a separate system. You know, it needs to go through a mixer. Or it needs to re- be digitally recorded, you know, maybe on something like Sound Designs makes great mixers. And that's got to be a whole separate other element and you need another guy to do that you can't do the camera guy you can't be the guy to run sound so uh, and even the boom man I, I don't know how many productions i've worked on where it's got you know the sound guy is is pretty good and i sort of trusted him but you look at the boom man and the boom the mic is off axis it's pointed like six inches away from the guy's mouth i remember i used to walk around and you know, take my finger and push the mic back around and I go, that that mic needs to be right there. If you're off over here and then I would show them why, I go, hey, say your line, and say the line and I push the mic over just six inches and you can hear the difference of off axis, you know, sound coming through the microphone. It doesn't sound the same. So that's a laborious job. You're standing there, you know, while takes are going, holding this, you know, 14 foot pole up with a fairly heavy mic on on the one end. Fortunately now, the, a lot of the uh, sound transmission goes through a uh, transmitter, so at least it helps balance the weight off. But uh, you've got to be totally alert where that mic's pointed. You know, you, if you flinch for seconds, the actor could turn and you didn't turn with it. So there's all kinds of, I mean, that's why I say you just got to do this stuff. That's why you get involved. You get involved at every av- level. I don't care if you're an actor. I, I'm a big believer, and you should know everything about cameras. You should know about sound, uh, what makes good recordings. Uh, you know why they light a certain way. Just, just everything you can learn behooves you.
0: And how many of those editors go on to have other roles in in the film production? How many actors become directors? How many directors yeah. become producers? You don't get that latitude unless you start to bone up on the basics everywhere across the board.
1: Yeah, you need to learn it, and you need to improve every time. I did a movie uh, probably, it was a year or two after My Three Sons, and I think it was around 74, called Private Parks. It was done by a director named Paul Bartell, was actually his first film. You know, he had a couple of shorts he did that were really good. I saw them. And I, I got hired. It was a film by uh, Gene Corman, Roger Corman's brother, also was a filmmaker. And uh, anyway, yeah, you know, the the film, when it came out, well, there's reasons why it didn't go in there. They, they should not have never used the title private parts. It was kind of a, a, a bad idea if you wanted to market the film at the time. But, uh, you know, it got a rave review by Judith Crist in New York. Uh, Paul was touted as, you know, kind of a budding Alfred Hitchcock, but the film looked really good. And uh, the guy that was the cinematographer and did all the lighting on it was a guy named Andrew Davis. And uh, he was a DP back then and you know, did a lot of films. Well, that's the same Andrew Davis that went on and, you know, did all these films by Steven Seagal. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Sylvester Stallone. Action movies. A lot of action movies. Uh, he did The Fugitive uh, with Harrison Ford. So he went on to become a director. So, yeah, and be nice to people, too, <laughs> because you don't know where they're going to end up. You know, there's plenty of people, whether they're actors or I remember when I did, I and in I never gave it a thought because I was just a kid. But the guy who was the uh, focus puller went on and uh, became a huge uh, uh, cinematographer and then later uh, a DP, I mean, later a director. So, yeah, some of these jobs transfer into other areas of, of the industry. Uh, his what name of- was William, William Fraker. You can look him up. He, he did some incredible work.
0: We'll absolutely put him in the show notes too. Yeah, one of the and best when, lines. What, what he did on Ozzy and it was pull the
1: tape out and used to hold it against my nose so they could get the focus right. He was the focus puller back in those days. So, uh,
0: One of the best lines I ever heard was you know, the people you meet on your way up are the same people you're going to meet on your way down. And that's something that's guided me ever since I was 12 years old. Exactly.
1: I can't tell you how many times that's happened with me and, you know, if you're on your way back down, I don't think about that at all. It means nothing to me. It's it's this person did their work and they're good. And, you know, maybe you just had a dry spell and couldn't get any work or you did two or three movies that didn't click. So the industry kind of clicks you down a couple notches, mainly so they can offer you less money next time you work. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's you know the person's good. Uh, if you're in the industry, it's your job to know who's good and who isn't.
0: Yeah, and me personally, I find these kinds of conversations more rewarding than anybody who's just hot right now for this reason. I want to talk to somebody who's you know, their work has stood the test of time and they have a perspective on what really works and what doesn't, and that's that's exactly what you're getting at here. So I want to thank you so much for this.
1: Oh, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, sometimes get actors redirected and focused on this other area that they need to know. And I, and I understand it. You know, we all just want to be in front of a camera up on stage being creative and uh, doing the part of it that's fun to us. You know, this other thing is kind of a drag. But uh, like I said, it it, it really behooves me that, that, to say this, but, you know, that colleges and... Uh, universities have not put programs together or brought people in. Really, who've had, I mean, here's the problem: uh, it, the people that are teaching acting in in univer- at universities or you know junior colleges or just regular colleges, they were probably people trying to get into the entertainment industry themselves and may have met with a little bit of success. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. They have degrees in theater arts or in cinema. And uh, they fell back on that. And 20 years later, that's their career. So they really never got steeped in this whole other side and you know how deep it is to understand what you're going to have to do when you become an actor on the other side of the camera, meaning behind the scenes. And uh, so they can't teach it. That, that's why I rounded up the group I had. You know, I knew all these people have worked in the industry 20, 30 years, got their asses kicked, especially in the beginning. And somehow found creative ways to get around it and ultimately have successful careers. So, you know, what we're trying to do is provide access to people who've had successful careers. I mean, the best thing you can do is learn from them because obviously they did something different and uh, it manifested itself in a career. So yeah, that's an important thing. And like I said, there's resistance from actors to have anything to do with this business part. I'm a great actor. I'll be discovered. Yeah, well,
0: well, good luck. Yeah, that'd be nice. But I don't know of a single job on the face of the earth that doesn't have some component that you have to do, but would rather not if you'd had a choice in the matter. that's, That's just,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in almost every industry, it's not just the movie industry and the acting industry. That's a two component industry. Try opening a restaurant because you know how to cook and you're a great chef, but know nothing about the restaurant business and how to order food and how not to get shut down by the health department. Uh, It's a two component industry and that's the part that's hidden and nobody talks about, nobody teaches. It's very, very hard to find out. You You need to talk to somebody who owns a restaurant you know he can always find a good chef it's hard to find somebody to manage the business that knows the ins and outs of it ins and outs of it so you don't get shut down or you don't poison people or you know whatever um, you know being a pilot how would you like to fly with somebody who loves flying maybe has a feel for it but never took ground school good luck
0: <laughs> indeed well, Stanley, I'm going to send anybody who voices an interest in this sort of stuff your way, because I really think you're offering a valuable thing. And I want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'll put well, your my pleasure, your your course and your your website in the show notes. Is there any other place I could send people to follow your adventures?
1: Uh, well, I have a personal website for people that are, you know, fans of my three sons. Or like I said, I have a about uh, Probably 67 years in, in the industry as an actor, uh, with the last 30 being uh, in, uh, you know, uh, in back of the camera with a production company. If you want to list. Uh, oh, and I'm also an artist, believe that or not. I had to find something to do in my spare time, especially with uh, COVID. And it's funny because I never knew why I did that, but I learned how to become a pretty good and a professional artist. I mean, I, I've sold literally probably about a thousand paintings uh, over the course of my life. Um, But, you know, being on a soundstage when I was a kid and a teenager, not being able to make noise uh, led me to, you know, start painting and uh, I got good at it. I I actually have a a website up that uh, features my art. It's an online gallery and I sell paintings from there uh, regularly. But yeah, if you put my name in stanleylivingston.com, That's my personal website, but if you go to stanleylivingstonart.com, I have an online gallery, and I also have a production company uh, website for when we're up and running. I'm holding off two more months to come back because of COVID, but it's
0: firstteamproductions.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I would be glad to have you back anytime. This has been a true pleasure
1: yeah anytime you want me or you got questions about that stuff or want to get deeper into it and some stories behind the thing if you do put something up about the actor's journey uh, i don't want people to be disappointed so tell them it's in the process of being built should be what are we at it should be up around i'm thinking somewhere in december between the first and 15th
0: that's fair enough i will take you up on that
1: thanks so much here it's really good talking to you
0: I would like to thank Stanley for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. I truly do appreciate that a lot of Stanley's advice came down to get to know people, be valuable in the community, don't be a jerk, be great to work with. These are lessons that are going to do well for you no matter where you are or what you want to do with your life. I like to think that we have a lot of creative people listening to this show because I've heard back from you. I know we have a lot of actors, potential directors, streamers, podcasters. I love hearing from all you, and what we like to talk about most is that there's no reason to make the world a lesser place by being more successful. You can use your success to build up communities, to build up the internet, and I think we're on the right track. I strongly encourage you to go to the website, AaronBossig.com, and check out the show notes. There's links to all of Stanley's stuff in there. His course is fantastic. I strongly recommend it. In past episodes, I've spent a lot of time talking about how great it is to curl up with a cup of coffee and read a book or play a video game. and Trust me, those things are all worthwhile and they're wonderful ways to spend a day. But I have done a disservice to the Sci-Fi Coffee Company by not mentioning the collaborative power of coffee. We're talking creativity on this show and there are times you want to sit down and brainstorm with somebody or run through a few sketches or a routine and you need the coffee buzz to keep the creative juices flowing, and that is what the Sci-Fi Coffee Company is all about. So whether you're sitting around the house alone and enjoying some peace and quiet, or whether you have a couple of friends over and it's time to get serious about making something, look into the Sci-Fi Coffee Company. That's sci-fi-coffee.com, and you can save 10% on your order by entering in the coupon code HUNGRY, as in Hungry Trilobite. Don't forget you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.